When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are, again, more context. You are married and engaged? Yes. Yes. Okay. How did you meet your wife and was she privy to uh, a polygynous lifestyle before you or did you educate her on it? And then your fiance, did, how did that work too? Woo. Beautiful people, welcome back to another episode of Who Can Relate. Today, as always, I have a very special guest, but this one is like extremely, extremely, extremely special. This is family. When I say this is my brother, it's not like brother, like, you know, brother, like homie. This is like blood brothers, my actual brother. Um, I've recently called him the uh, black Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) the most interesting man in the world at least to me in in the best way possible um some of his his ways and and mindset and just outlook on all things life has always had a a serious major impact on me again in the best way and i am just beyond honored to have him on the show so without further ado ladies and gentlemen my brother kalade oh yeah i appreciate that son Welcome, uh, welcome to the show, man. The show, man. I'm looking forward. It's um, it's been great. You know, what I mean, watching the show and everyone's uh, vulnerability and sensitivities and honesty. You know, it's been really dope to watch it progress. Okay. So I'm honored to be here. I appreciate the the support and I appreciate the uh, all the insights too. I know you. I know you've been tuning in. And uh, today we are going to be talking about um, a lot of interesting stuff. You know, we um. We share the same father. We uh, different moms. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about fatherhood in itself. We'll talk about um, the um, relationship. I'm trying to think of the word to put it. Well, polygamy, for for lack of a better better way to try to phrase it. Oh yeah, we we talking about that. Yeah, we, we talking about that. <laughs> we we're talking about it all. So yeah, so um, I guess let's start a little bit more. Um, a little bit more about you. Where are you from? Uh, cool. I was I was born, you know, where where our father's from, south suburbs of uh Chicago, Midwest. Uh, we moved to Milwaukee when I was about eight. So I did like middle school and high school in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was uh, it was good, you know, it was good. And I live in Georgia now <clears throat> because I got sick of snow. I, I couldn't do another. 
That's why that's why I live in LA. That's why I live yeah, in LA. man. I was like, why why do people do this? <laughs> and then now you're in Georgia. How long have you been in, in Atlanta again? For uh about eighteen years. Okay. Eighteen years, so much yeah. ATLian. That's cool. Yeah. I dig it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And you've done your your fair share of traveling. Again, let's get into the most interesting man in the world. You've made jewelry, you've made art, you've made just you name it. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so right after high school, um, I took an apprenticeship with the guy. And that, that's a really wow, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna get into that. So I, I met this guy and uh, actually I met him before, you know, mm-hmm. like a couple years before. And um but he used to have these like community meetings and, and stuff like that. And I would always go because I was interested in communal things. So to give some insight, so I'm 46. So this is like 1995. So this is like, you know, Million Man March time. This is, you know, Rodney King time. This is mm-hmm. the, the predecessor to, you know, the times that we're kind of in now. So I met him and um, I was helping him clean up after his shop one day. And he always had like a pocket full of dough. And one of my roommates was like short on their rent. So I asked him if I could borrow some money. And he was like, I can't borrow you any, I can't loan you any money, but I can give you a job. Mm. So, yeah, so he gave me a job. And that started um, or continued, you know, a journey of uh, self-awareness, you know, realization, um, entrepreneurship, you know. So, yeah, so I'm a goldsmith and silversmith. I would travel to art shows and festivals and conventions and colleges and you know, lecture on things. Um, yeah, so I started that, which was great. You know, it gave me great freedom. Um, yeah, just great, great freedom and an incredible education, you know, to, to mm-hmm. navigate, you know, L.A. and New York and Denver and New Orleans and Houston and Miami, you know, as a, as a young man and try to convince people that, yeah, I really make this stuff. I know it's beautiful, <laughs> but I made it, like, with my hands. Oh, you made this jewelry, you know, so yeah. a lot of that. It was cool, a lot of people. And let's let's get into um, so you're a father of four. I, well, I created four children. Yeah, and I'm responsible for more, <laughs> <laughs> more, more. Children. Okay, okay. Um, and let's talk about fatherhood for a second, and just how um, what our example was. And, and granted, it was the same father, but we had two different examples. You know, like pops was more so in my life. It sounds like than in your life from what I know. And, and that's not saying much. So, um, so what was, what was your experience as far as, um, what your mindset and thoughts were about fatherhood then versus what they are now and kind of how you've, how you've navigated through it? Did your mom help other influencers? Did they help? For sure. So I would say that coming into probably all the way through high school, I had really no concept of fatherhood. You know, none of my friends have fathers. Um, my mother has an older, uh, younger brother, which, you know, my uncle. Mm-hmm. So he was a fatherish, you know, father figure, but he didn't live with us. He wasn't in the house. And since none of my peers had that, then, you know, I really had no idea of it. Yeah. Um, you know, like the good, the bad or, or anything. Because fatherhood isn't just about the children. It's about the relationship that the man has with the woman. You know what I mean? That's also like fatherhood that, that's a, a certain responsibility because not only what you tell your child but also what you demonstrate you know so mm-hmm. what your children how they see you handle things how they see you right. handle relationships how they see you handle money you know i mean how they see you handle yourself how, how mm-hmm. they see you handle them <clears throat> all of those things you know kind of um 
encompass fatherhood. So I didn't, um, yeah, I didn't have any, you know, insight into what that would be. So it wasn't until actually the guy that, uh, that I learned how to make jewelry from, mm-hmm. you know, so he was married and had been married, you know, since he was like 20 years old, <clears throat> he had children in my age, uh, some a couple older, uh, a couple a little bit older, um, some a little younger. And that was the first time I was around a father, mm-hmm. you know, like around a father with a family, a man that, and, and as I'm so appreciative of him, uh, Bob Osaji, I'm probably going to send him this so you can check it out. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and definitely his kids because, and they're still together. They just celebrated like 50 years of marriage mm. uh, recently. Wow. I think his birthday is coming up. But that was the wow. first time I saw it. And I'm so appreciative because he was really open and honest with me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times adults want to shelter children, forgetting that, you know, you're not going to be a child for much longer. You know what I mean? It's a slim thing between like 12 and 18 or 12 and 20. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's not yeah. a lot of time. And, and, you know, share with me like the ups and downs, the, the importance of fatherhood, the importance of, of marriage, um, mm-hmm. the importance of uh, persevering. You know what I mean? The idea that, you know, your wife is always going to get on your nerves. So what? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like, so what? You have to deal with that. That's part of your level of growth. Um, yeah. So that was that was that was really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And we're still cool. Like, like to this yeah. day. Like, yeah, we're, we're super cool, super cool. He's one yeah. of my favorite people, and hopefully I'm one of his. But, yeah, that was my first um, look at it. So then I began to think, okay, my role, like when I first, even before I had children, before I even met their mother or anything, as a kid, I, when me and my mother were having a conversation, I was about, about 11 or 12, mm-hmm. uh, so like right around sixth grade, and um, she was suggesting that I call our father, you know, she was like, you should just call him. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why she suggested it. Like I wasn't, I don't, I don't recall like going through anything. I think it was just in her mind because as a single mother, you know, they're often told that, Hey, you need a man in a, in a boy's life, you know? Right, and that's right. valid. It's totally valid. And I can say that that's true. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. it is beyond important. Um, so she was trying to encourage me to do that. And I did, you know, I was like, I thought, that with no malice, but I thought that it was his responsibility to, you know, cultivate a relationship with me being like 12 years old. I just right. had that insight, like, yeah. oh, I think you should be calling me. It's kind of how I felt about it. <laughs> yeah. And um, I kind of left it at that. Um, and then I remember laying on my grass and thinking um, about that, about the idea of that. And I knew I was like, I told myself, I was like, uh, you know, when I become a father, I want to be, I'm going to be uh, the biggest influence in their life. You know, that's what motivated me as it relates in relationship to, you know, being a father. Mm. And, um, and then I realized as I got older, I, I started looking back on men that played <clears throat> fatherhood roles for me, men that invested in me, men that talked to me, mm. men that shared themselves with me. You know what I mean? Men that were honest with me. Like that was so important. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've looked to do that myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of these men, some of them, I have, some of them I've had significant relationships with, you know, some were shorter relationships. Um, but each one of them that I've talked to since, you know, and being an adult, I've shared with them how important and how thankful I was, you mm-hmm. know, for them sharing themselves in that way. Um, and I do that in my own life, you know, that's why I said I'm responsible for many more children. Like I created four, but a person would think I got 20, you know, like, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. I'm always like, you know, this is my son. They always call me Baba, which is, you know, you're a word for father. It's, it's interesting because I, um, I had a similar mindset as well. Uh, not maybe so much 12, but I, at, at a certain point in time in my childhood, I remember thinking like, I can't wait to have kids so I can be the father that I never had. You know, that I can create the family home environment that I never had, that I always craved. But, you know, my my relationship with, with Pops around that age, and, and, and more context for everyone, Pops had you at 19, right? He was 19? Uh, something like that. Yeah, 18, 19. Um, he had me at 33, right? So you would hope that he had learned uh, his lessons, but, you know, it's... it's, uh, it's that, uh, yeah, that's, that's not the case here. But for me, I remember you know, barely talking to him on the phone. And I remember thinking like, he should be calling me. Like I'm, I'm the child here, right? He, he's the parent, he's the adult, but he has this like, I don't know if it's like an old school black man thing. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I'm your father. You should be calling me. You know, it's like this entitlement. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, still don't understand it. But um, nonetheless, I remember, you know, for me, my childhood was, um, I had a lot of hope for us and, and, uh, me and him in, in that relationship with constant letdown, you know? And so therefore after years of constant letdown and disappointment and saying he'll show up and not show up, I started building resentment. I started, that resentment turned into anger, you know, that anger turned into dismissal, you know, I, I pushed away and, and, um, tried to protect myself. And I remember we've had a couple of conversations about this throughout the years and throughout the decades really. And, one conversation in particular, I remember I was, um, I was in my, I believe I was in my like late teens, early twenties. And I remember I was just frustrated and I was like, you know, I'm good, you know, a pops kind of thing. And I remember you were telling me, look, I hear you. I, I respect it. I'm, I'm not here to try to change your mind. I'm just going to let you know. I understand it. Yeah. 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 That, that too. Right. <laughs> I get it. But at the end of the day, we only get one father. Yeah. And whether we can learn from them in, in, in a, a positive way or in a negative way, we can learn from their good or their bad, their mistakes and their their, you know, benefits in life. But for me, that really hit me because I'm like, I guess in, in my mind, not that I was ever trying to replace him, but I was just trying to remove him. You know, like I came to that conclusion, like um, but I but that conversation we had was was so impactful for me because I was like, you're right. You know, we, we only get one father. And so I'm going to take the mistakes that he's made. I'm going to take what he didn't do and kind of try to do the opposite based off of that. And even now more so understanding um, where I'm at mentally in my mindset is to repair and not repeat. Right. To try. And, and by doing that, it's heavy in the understanding where he comes from, understanding his upbringing, his childhood, his relationship with his parents, et cetera. And so when you can do that, I really, same thing with my mom, I really started to understand and, and really in a lot of ways empathize with a lot of the things that he wasn't doing. Not that I was condoning or making excuses for, for, the, for the wrong, because there was a lot of wrong, but I understood some of the things that, that just confused me. And part of that was his lack of vulnerability, his inability to be transparent, his inability to just show authenticity right? He's got this perception of like this facade that he must put up at all times because God forbid if someone were to see me as me, this whole thing. And I'm like, pops, you got to understand, man. Like, 
and and you can feel again now that where I'm at, I know you you've been here for a while um, mentally is we know deep down that he needs love. You know, he's he's alone and he's lonely. Right. Two different things, because <laughs> he's really not alone. He's always got someone, but he's lonely. <laughs> right. And um, and and I just see him as someone who really can't tap into the vulnerability side, who's someone who really can't let people in. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, like we, everyone goes through disappointment. And I think that's something that maybe he has not learned mm-hmm. is to really demonstrate grace. Mm. Right. Like grace is a, it's important, you know, and people yeah. don't even give themselves grace. You know, people really beat themselves up for mistakes that they make as it relates to he and I's relationship versus you and his relationship is that because he was absolutely not there. Like I had maybe five, interactions with him before the age of 21 wow you know so um Mm. i didn't like you almost can't miss what you never had Uh, yes i didn't have it so by the time you know by the time he and i began to really interact i had already begun my own healing so i so i was able to um you know offer him some of my understandings you know whether i told him directly or even Mm -hmm. just demonstrated it um Mm. You know, so so yeah, so I'm really thankful for that. How how did that go, really quick, bro? How how did that go when you were demonstrating or explaining to him? Because I, I've tried. My delivery system was terrible. Um, I came from a place of attack <laughs> and demand uh, more so than open mindedness and um, acceptance. So how was it with with that um, that dialogue? Because he has this fortress of an exterior. You know, he uh, he really didn't that didn't open him all the way up. You know, he wasn't like, ah, thank you. You know what I mean? So I just gave it to him. And what I told him was um, that I love him, you know, that I, uh, I appreciate him as a human being and I forgive him, you know, and I want us to have, I, I forgive him and I want him to forgive himself, you know, and I want us to have, mm-hmm. you know, a good, a good relationship. And he, he just kind of like nodded. I, I don't even really remember what he said. Like, I just <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's how, like, vague and, like, yeah. it probably felt so weird for him, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, to have that. I think he has had some friends, you know, like, in over the years. Um, but even still, that's probably to a distance where they probably get through the first wall, you know, as a boat, yeah. but not through the second, third, fourth walls. Because he, right. got, he got walls, lasers, a moat, <laughs> yeah. some Rottweilers, you know what I'm saying? Like, he is like, snipers on the yeah. towers, you know what I'm saying? He was, like, not letting nobody get in. I mean, it's beautiful that you were able to be in that space, especially at, at a younger age. You know, it took me years, years of therapy, years of journaling, years of talking to other people about it. And and it and it just took me the, the biggest thing and the longest that it took me to get over was that level of forgiveness. I think for me, because I had, unlike you, which you had five occurrences, I had plenty, aka he had plenty of opportunity to find his role, right? To have a place in my life, to to build a relationship. And I just realized as I got older, like he continued to fail and fail. So I, I held him to a certain expectation, which is, I, I guess, shame on me. But at the same time, I'm like, not really. It's reasonable to expect you know, a man to be a father. I mean, yeah, isn't I? I don't think it's that hard to ask. Yeah, but I guess it is to some people and to each their own. But for me, that level of forgiveness uh, was very, very, very difficult for me. And and I, I think I'm there now. I'm definitely way better off than what I was. Um, and, and maybe if it's not so much forgiveness, it's definitely acceptance, right? It's definitely an understanding of, um, you know, different times 
uh, maybe maybe different women bring out different different sides of him. I, I don't know, but but there's there's some things that I wish I can understand a little bit more. I'm trying to figure out to this day how to have that dialogue with him if if we ever could. But yeah, because like I said, for me when when I first had this conversation in in this totality, um, 2009. So I was um, I was 22, and I remember it was late at night, and I had been he had been in my mind because we hadn't talked in like a couple years. Um, four years to think at that point and he had been in my mind and had these questions because now I'm a father I'm a father of two years so now I have questions like how the hell am I supposed to do this like can you give me something you know just give me some insight or and um <laughs> instead I, I called him it was like nine o'clock at night uh he was out <laughs> and um and uh I I attacked I just came from a place of attack and and I just demanded answers and I demanded closure and I demanded um, an apology, you know, all things that I realize now I went about it the wrong way. But my intention was ultimately to start to build a relationship with him, you know, because at the end of the day, and and my mom was was a mom who um, and she'd admit this. She was a mom who would bad talk him. Even if he did bad, she would make it known that he was doing bad. Right. And, And so I had this preconceived notion of him this this preconceived preconditioned uh narrative about him which was all negative it was all ugly so i already have this but i'm still like a young man trying to have a relationship with his father yeah like yearning and craving this regardless of of what the narrative is in my is in my ear and and there was just years of this years and years and years and finally like i said after you know, trying to really sit with it, cope with it, understand it. I've I've come to a, a, a majority of a place of acceptance, working on the forgiveness thing. And I remember um, when I invited him to our wedding, so two years ago now. And so I invited him mainly because something hit me. I was like, this is going to be the last and only time for him to experience a wedding for one of his sons. Uh, a, a ceremony of love for one of his sons like this is it but you know the older I think the older he gets to the more the realization right the, the more reflections and 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 the other r word I'll use is probably more than anything the more regret he he has you know and so so he when I invite him to the wedding it's funny because he wasn't surprised which I would think he should be right this is like who, me like uh Oh, you got 50 people coming. I'm one of the 50. Like, damn, you know, he was just like, cool. Yeah, send me the info. I'll be there. And we were on the phone. And I was surprised at that. I remember hanging up and I was I was with Shay and I'm like, I got this confused look on my face. And she's like, well, how did it go? And I was like, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's going to come to he says he's going to come to the wedding. And she's like, oh, that's great. She's like hyped. And I'm like, I mean, he says a lot of things we'll see because in my mind, I'm like, well, I'll, when I when I see it, I'll believe it kind of thing. But throughout the months that that were to follow and as we get closer to the wedding, he had bought his plane ticket. He had he was like one of the first people who booked the room at the hotel. And I was like, Pops, it's, it's a pricey hotel. I'm not trying to manage your money, but like you, you don't have to stay here. You, there's a couple of options we have for the guests. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to be close to the venue as possible. This and that. And I was like, OK, cool. And and uh, and, and he showed up and. It's interesting because I remember when I saw, because I still was like low key, like he'll miss his flight or, you know what I mean? Like the night before I'm like, because we, we got there before everyone else. And the day he was set to arrive, because we had everyone's itinerary, I wasn't really thinking about it like that day. But I remember when I saw him in the lobby, because I didn't even, 
you know, we're in Mexico, so he didn't have his phone. So I just like bumped into him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, I was like, wow, like you're here. You know, like you you showed up. Right. Right. And in my mind, not that it it totally dismissed all the hundreds of times that he didn't show up in my life from childhood, but it made it more easy to forgive at that point. Right. And so you showed up for that, which shows me a lot. And and I remember um, we had this this unbelievable, never forget it kind of embrace, especially from him. And, and you'll know what I'm talking about when I get into it. Uh, we were pronounced Mr. and Mrs. We're, we're walking down the aisle, getting ready to you know go up the stairs. And Pops was in the last row. And uh, and at this point, I had already played the sax. No one knew. He was shocked. And I remember I kind of, one moment I'm playing the sax when Shay's walking and I kind of peeped him out of the corner of my eye and he looked like he was in a concert for his favorite artist. Like, you know, he didn't even know the song, but he was just like with me, just, you know, hyped. And and, um, and so anyway, so we're walking down the aisle, getting ready to go up the stairs, ending of the ceremony. And he stepped out of the aisle and stopped Shay and I. And he came, you know, open-armed and, and to embrace us. And so we hugged and he cried like a baby. I mean, like hyperventilation, can't get any any word out, like, <gasps> you know, bro, like just lost it. And I and I remember there were so many feelings that I had in that and emotions I had in that moment, but I remember the main one was like, I've never seen him cry. Like I've never seen, I've never even heard of him crying, let alone seeing him cry. And this type of cry. And to the point where like the photographer's up there waiting for us, kind of like, uh, we're on a schedule. I don't know if this is cute and all, but come on, we gotta go. And, and I was like, Pops, we gotta, we gotta go. And he he was frozen. He was like locked. You know, you know, you try to like when you hug someone, you're like, okay, it's time. Like he wouldn't let go. You know, he he forgot the concept of time at that moment. And and we had to like pull him like pops, you know, we'll, we'll continue this, but we got to go. And he was, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just so beautiful. And he was like crying and wiping his eyes. And the couple of days that followed, I remember thinking, how can someone who is just a wall of zero emotion, <laughs> how could someone get to that point? And I remember thinking, that's what years and years and years of regret looks, feels, and sounds like. And I kind of think, I think he showed up at at my wedding for all of us, right? I think he showed up at at the wedding for the last chance of redemption, the last chance of forgiveness, the last chance of like making up for lost time for years, you know? And um, it was, again, a moment I'll never forget, and and I know he'll never forget it. You can't talk to him about it now because he's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's beautiful. You know, he, he plays it off, but I'm like, Pops, that was that was the inner child in you, man, that came out. Right, like probably fifty years of yeah. trauma and sadness. Um, right. yeah, for sure. Like one of the reasons why I what allowed me to um interact with him a certain way is because I understood that it's bigger than us. And I didn't take it personal. You know what I mean? Like his traumas, his he's experiencing what many people experience. Yeah. You know, what um yeah, what, what many people experience and, and, and no matter what the upbringing is, because he had his mother and his father. You know, so 
he 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 had them. They they were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, our grandmother's kind of, you know, distant <laughs> also. And, yeah. and you know, we'll, we'll, I think we'll crack that. You know, because they can't deny us now. They're getting old. They gotta just yeah. Say, it is. They gave us now. shit. Give us. <laughs> shit. So yeah, exactly. Saying, like, come on now. You know, <laughs> it's the least you can do. Yeah. Yeah, at least you can do. Is, you yeah. Know, and I'm glad we got to we got to talk about all that. I think it's going to help out a lot of people who, um, you know, are just raised without a father in, in some way, shape or form and, and maybe who are struggling with that ability to forgive, ability to accept, ability to move on. Right. Because um, yeah. it's, and you it's know, also something else that I, I just want to interject a bit. Yeah. Is that the idea and the spirit of gratitude? Because no matter yeah. how bad we think we have it, we can have it worse, mm. you know levels yeah. to stuff you know what i mean yeah. so like the glass being half full or half empty i mean there is a glass so mm-hmm. even if it's half empty let's just put something in it right you know if it's not full to our satisfaction let's just yeah. do our best to add to the situation as as best as possible for sure because it's all rough you know it's all rough everybody's perspective yeah. is valid and mm-hmm. it's you know it's challenging yeah for sure well speaking of perspectives um let's talk about the perspective of love Let's talk about the pers- the perspective of marriage, the, of unity, of uh, of of oneness. Let's talk about polygamy. Let's talk about um, why you chose that. I remember you. We were talking a couple months ago on just polyamory and polygamy and um, non traditional monogamous relationships, and um, I asked you, you know, why did how did you get to this point? And you said, I knew it was necessary in order to give myself the best chance at this love thing, you know, like kind of tried everything else and this is what really fit you. So let's, let's get into it. Um, you know what? I even to go back like deeper than that, like I had a lot of revelations in my early childhood, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, started looking at cultural things and, and really just being honest with myself. So, um, the idea of polygyny, I ran across that idea from a textual standpoint, even though inside myself, I always felt it. Um, with my eldest children's mother, my mother told her and her whole family that my son's going to have more than one wife. At the time, I was 23, and I don't know if me and my mother had had that conversation. That gave me a different level of insight because like when we talk about it, so it's not like I chose it because I don't, I don't mm. think I chose it. Like I didn't choose to be 6'3". <clears throat> I didn't choose, you know, my skin color. I didn't choose, you know, to, to fall sooner than later. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. I think it's just, you know, kind of like what it is. So, um, I know that could be different for a lot of people because we're in America. We're in a we're in a Christian environment, um, and it's always taught like monogamy is the only way. Even though now <clears throat> I realize that people are becoming more open to it and, and you know looking at things differently, mm-hmm. um, being really more honest with themselves about what mm-hmm. their true nature is. Right. Um, yeah. So that that just gave me. Um, you know, some insight about it and, and allow me to um, develop that. And then how you communicate that in relationships becomes challenging. Yeah. But but before we get there, so how did your mom know that about you? That's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. And you know, what's interesting is that she's here visiting me now. So I'm going to yeah. ask her that question. Edit the answer in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want to know. Yeah. Like, how did you, you know, how did, how did she... How did she come to that? Um, so let's let's go into like you were going. Um, how does one go about? Okay, so you're like this is this is me. This is what I subscribe to. How do you go about then dating with this in mind? 
that this is ultimately what you want and what you're looking for? At this point in my life, because I'm married, married, <laughs> you know, uh, dating is different. You know, like I have uh, so much more understanding about myself, mm-hmm. um, which I think is important because it's, it's necessary to, to be able to communicate effectively. And so many challenges in relationships come from really internal issues and complete issues within oneself. And then we bring that to another dynamic, you know, looking right. for this other person to fill it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I have so many things kind of worked out within myself. Um, and it's, you know, at this point, you know, my family's like, it's, it's just different, you know, like, like my wife is like, you like her? And I'm like, look, Hey, you know, I'm trying to, you know, so, and so my wife's take on it is that, um, these women need a man, you know, they need their, their children need fathers. They need that balance in order to, for them to fulfill their biggest destiny, for them to fulfill mm-hmm. their purpose, you know, in life to have like a holistic, you know, life experience versus, mm-hmm. um, like, I got to get mine. You got to get yours type thing that, mm-hmm. or a competition, you know, it's more of a, should be more of a cooperation. So you are, again, more context. You are married and engaged. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tell me about <laughs> everyone's like, wait, uh, what, what's that now? <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about that a little bit more. So how did you how did you meet your wife and was she privy to uh, a polygynous lifestyle before you or did you educate her on it? And then your fiance did how did that work too? <laughs> because and, and and I and I exactly I, I asked that, right? Because I'm sure a lot of people when they when they hear uh, polygamy or practicing a, a polygynous lifestyle, um I don't want people to to think, and, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it's not like you're like, I want my cake and eat it too, so I'm just going to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a polygamist. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like one one guy, nine wives, like, you know what I mean? So It's not like that at all. It's, um, man, this shit is deep. So she is probably more polygynist than me. Mm. Um, she is really, really uh, assertive to not only with me but even to her peers like hey ladies i know all you guys you know like you guys really need to figure this shit out you know you're in your 30s you're in your 40s you're the idea of you finding this may sound like an asshole but it's cool the idea (laughs) of a woman finding a 40 year old man because i'm I'm 46 that's what we're talking about or even like Mm -hmm. a, a fully adult man that is independent that is funny that is smart that is attractive that is talented that mm-hmm. is nurturing and caring and loving and sensitive. The idea that he's navigated his whole life and doesn't have a woman at this point at 35, like what has he been doing? Where has he been mm-hmm. at 34, 32, 30, 29, 28? Because he was growing, he was developing, he's been charming, he's been funny, he's been attractive, you know. So how does how does the guy get to be like 40 with no kids and no woman? And if you do find that unicorn, <laughs> then what about the other 10 women that happen you know what i mean and then it becomes right. a competition and some and some cattiness but there was more of a cooperation because men function like this like like what function like men, well men function from a polygynous standpoint like like uh like even two chains i got a wife a mistress and a girlfriend hmm. you know so so we and, and most men you know honestly can admit that they've dealt with more than one woman at the same time before yeah mm-hmm. you know um and most women can admit that they've been with the man that's dealt with more than one woman at the same time before. 
whether they mm -hmm. found out about it later, whether they were on the other side and they entered into this relationship where this man already had a woman or something like that, that, right. the, that it exists. It just exists in a very unhealthy form. Mm. You know, it exists in a very um, unnatural form, a form that leaves people scarred and hurt mm -hmm. and, and, you know, challenged and traumatized. Yeah. And, and probably I'm assuming uh, it's led in an unhealthy form because there's, there's a lack of communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and even a lack of, um, of, growth and even honesty with self you know we a lot of people can become very complacent in their own development you know mm -hmm. and most often it takes a level of honesty with yourself like hey i'm healed i'm or hey I'm, I'm scarred and i really need to heal i really need to deal with trauma i really need to communicate you know so the idea of like therapy is, is more of a modern it's a newer thought process you know what i mean right. mm -hmm. it was always like you have to be crazy in order to get therapy i think i think we're all crazy i'm crazy for sure, <laughs> you know, like, mm. but I'm the kind of crazy where I can recognize it and, you know, work to, to develop myself. Well, something that you when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. said to, um, to me before is, when it comes to like living in your truth, you said, I'm afraid not to live in my truth. <laughs> I'm afraid not to be honest with myself. Because it's because we're, we're spiritual creatures having a physical experience, you know, so we can we can you know, prescribe to the idea that, hey, this is life. And, and then when we die, we die. But we came from somewhere, you know, right. we're going to go back to somewhere. Yeah. And this is this is temporary. You know, mm -hmm. so whatever, however people think about eternity or however, however people think about God, you know, when I transition, which is inevitable, I mm -hmm. want to move on to a place of like, of like I did, I did the best I could. Yeah. You know, I, I was honest. I told the truth. I, mm -hmm. I listened. I learned. I humbled myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't trip. I, I tried, you know, I yeah. really gave up my best effort. And in order to to give the best shot at any type of healthy relationship, you have to be honest. Right. You know, how, how is she, because I'm a guy, so I'm dealing with a woman, how is she going to be able to function if I'm not being honest? Mm. You know, how is she going to be able to, how is she even going to have a chance at satisfying me if I'm not giving her 
the answers to the test. You know what I mean? Right. If I'm not demonstrating that, hey, this is this is this is me. Mm-hmm. You know, so how can she say I love you if she doesn't know me? If I'm not right. showing her me. Right. And then how so, can I expect her to be honest? Right. So so with honesty, once you're now married and you're practicing polygamy and now you you at a certain point in time met your fiance. How so I like the word polygyny. Polygyny. Yeah. Got it. Oh, um, because polygamy is like really vague. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got vague. it. So I can't speak to the other dynamics, you know, the other poly lifestyle dynamics. All right. So, so in, in polygyny, um, how did it work then meeting your fiance and what was that experience like for everyone involved? So, yeah. So, um, my wife and I both knew her. Uh, she had just hit me up and was like, you know, like, I, I like you, I guess, for lack of a better term. Mm. And then, um, then I, I told my wife about it, you know, because we have a very, we communicate pretty well. I mean, there are some communication challenges just because, you know, uh, I, I would own them, that my own flaws, you know what I'm saying, my own growth. I'm yeah. trying to be something that I've never seen before. So, you know, bear with me is what I yeah. tell her and my children. Like, hey, I'm winging it. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> you know, be patient with me. I told her about it. And then what she did was she actually invited her to dinner like the next day. So that was cool. I, I really appreciated her uh, her uh, openness, you know, yeah. and her even, you know, I appreciate her uh, initiative. Mm-hmm. in that dynamic um it's interesting because since she has apologized to me for that mm. right because she was like you know i should have let you work out the relationship first mm. you know i should have let the two of you you know kind of get to know each other and and uh you know really cultivate it first let you vet the situation that i think is constant communication it's constant um dialogue it's constant even self-assessment you know mm. uh, because like with any relationship when you enter into a relationship with someone then you get the love feelings and then with the love feelings you know there's a potential for hurt for mm-hmm. challenge for you know for for growth so in monogamous relationships when you get with a partner it compounds your whatever your issues are so if you have traumas as a single person <laughs> when you get with someone you know those traumas become highlighted or exposed it's, uh, there have been some challenges for sure, um, mm. but I'm always more of a glass half full type guy anyway. Yeah. And definitely I'm more of a, there's abundance, you know, in, in life. Mm. So I look to have like an abundance of understanding, you know I mean? An abundance of growth, an abundance of maturity, an abundance of love. I don't believe that there's a really a, a capacity to uh, my ability to uh, love. Mm. So with your fiance, did she practice polygyny as well? Or was this her first experience? This actually is not uh, her first experience. She's actually had some other experiences. Okay. Which I would have thought that that would have made things a whole lot easier. <laughs> uh, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. But no, yeah, she has, she has, um, yeah, she has some experience with it. And do the, the, how does it work with the three of you? Do you live to, do you all live together? How does it, how does it work? Time shared? So no, um, for me, and I could, I can imagine for other people, 
But I think in a polygynous dynamic, I think every woman should have her own space. You know, so that it can eliminate those, the pettiness of, of what could exist. Mm. You know, it allows us to continue to, you know, grow and develop. So the three of you don't live together, but do you, you live with your wife? Uh, primarily, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to process, and I'm sure as, as everyone else is. Um, oh, that's right. We are talking to other people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, again, for me, it's interesting to know, as I'm sure, again, for everyone, when it comes to polygyny, and, and again, I'm sure it's everyone's situation is different. Maybe, every, maybe there's one particular um, situation, scenario, where everyone lives together in one big happy family or one big happy house, whatever it is. But um, you know, whatever, whatever works for you is, is at the end of the day that, you know, it's all that matters. Uh, when it comes to your fiance, cause I'm also just trying to put myself in the mind of the audience again, 86% women. Um, wow. yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to ask on, on their behalf. Um, for your fiance. Yeah. Has there ever been a feeling of second? Has there ever been a feeling of you know, but what about me? Has there ever been a feeling of I need more? I need equal. Yeah, I've I've heard it on both sides. And and how how does that get worked out? One, I've learned to listen well, and I'm still learning. I'm still improving mm-hmm. my listening skills. Um, because I I don't know if it's so much literal as it is like an emotion, and, and you know, trying to use language to articulate a feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, more so than a specific minute, time, day type thing. Yeah, so I try to, I try to um, be sensitive to all of the dynamics because even though they, um, they are very open-minded and, and I did not initiate this situation, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they, so for the female listeners, 86% of women that are listening, <laughs> uh, they chose me. yeah it wasn't it wasn't like i'm out here you know right because um there's a lot of responsibility when you talk about marriage it's not like dating it's not like you know picking up people it's 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 you know what are the bills like what are you know Mm -hmm. the relationship with the parents relationship with the children It's, it's it's very holistic and also it's not the purpose of like my daughter asked me one time like what's the difference between like boyfriend and a husband and Mm -hmm. i told her that a boyfriend is personal and a husband is for the family you know Mm -hmm. so if you have a boyfriend then that's that's you and him you know i I don't necessarily need to meet all your boyfriend Mm -hmm. you know but if you have a husband then now i have a son you know now you all are making children together that person is now family sure um so with any family dynamic it's about really you know everyone communicating about what they you know what their needs are um, yeah they want desires are and then everyone else um being open and receptive to that so what happens if again this i'm I'm trying to understand from the from the audience perspective um because i already know the comments are coming in i what about this and how what about this but we'll have to do a round two and we get all the interesting stuff i'm much more than just uh polygynous for sure for sure i guess maybe one more question with it so what happens if you want to step out for another woman step out seems kind of vague uh but if there is um you know a woman that says hey i like you or i like y'all i want to mm-hmm. then you know it's just a conversation 
Okay. And we just talk about it. I mean, it's, it's a little more than just a conversation because mm-hmm. also I do practice a traditional African spiritual system. Okay. You know, um, so I think in, in any marriage, it has to be like a tiebreaker. So for people are Christian, most often they'll say, hey, well, what does the Bible say? If I'm a husband and I'm mm-hmm. a wife and if we're not getting along so well or we see things differently, what, is, what does the Bible say about it? Or if I was Muslim, I would imagine it yeah. in a Muslim household, they would say, what does the Quran say about it? Mm-hmm. You know, so we okay. have a spiritual system that we, that we uh, practice and adhere to mm-hmm. that where we can agree that, hey, this is what, you know, this is what the... Yeah. This, Yes, this is how we'll. It's, it's pretty comprehensive too. Well, we'll we'll put a pin in the uh, polygyny conversation, and we'll we'll uh, we can revisit uh, another day because I know everyone is um, again probably still curious. But I want to move on to yeah. yeah. So sidebar, mm. my mother just walked up right. So remember we talked about editing this back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> you on the phone? Just pause it for a minute. Okay, so you remember when we were at that dinner with Kofi? all of them okay and when you told them i was gonna have more than one wife how did you know that her answer is i raised you she said she raised me to be like that (laughs) (laughs) because that's what we need Mm. right see so i got it honest so all you i love it Uh, female listeners understand that my yeah. mother me, okay? Yeah. So it's I not, I'm not out here trying to be not right. out here wilding out. You right. know, I'm not tripping. I'm a, I'm a good guy. I can fix things. I can build houses with my hands. You know, I yeah. delivered uh, three of my four children, myself, mm. at home. Yeah. You know, I can yeah. cook. I can clean. You know, so I'm not <laughs> just, just sitting on the throne waving my magic wand. Right, 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 right having people bring me women <laughs> right yeah one of my friends said well it's like it's like well you know you're getting you like half a man i said no i have to be twice the man mm. i can't be half the man because who wants right. to deal with half a man you know right yeah um i i want to make sure we we also cover um your program that you run for young men the rites of passage can you tell us about that yeah so the me and a few friends about 10 of us or so started a rites of passage program. Uh, we just finished our seventh year. So what rites of passage is, is it is a process for helping young people make the transition from childhood to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very intentional process, which is something that doesn't really culturally exist in you know, mainstream American thought process. Uh, it does exist in other systems, you know, like I, I know that Jewish people have like a bar mitzvah and a bat mitzvah, you know what I mean, where they say, okay, this person is now making mm-hmm. the transition, you know, from childhood to adulthood. So what happens is that when we, when, when men don't sit with boys to teach them about manhood, then we have, grow up having to figure it out. Right. You know, and we make a lot of mistakes with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We make children with that. We, um, you know, some people lose their lives with that. Some people lose their freedoms with that. Um, And at the very least, it doesn't create, it doesn't help to create a healthy environment because Mm -hmm. we don't, it's just, we just don't know. I mean, just think if you would have had 10 men to sit with you at 16, not even 18 or 20, right? 15, 16, where you learn how to change a tire, where you learn uh, how to uh, resolve issues, communication issues, how to identify traumas, 
you know, sure. how to cooperate with other young men, how to cooperate with other people, how to cooperate even within your family structure, how yeah. to communicate, how to listen, how to learn, how to talk, just different discipline things. And it's been, it's been phenomenal. It's mm. been phenomenal. So, so yeah, we started this program. We have kids from like six to 16. And when they hit puberty, uh, we separate them. Uh, so from six to 12, they're together. Boys and girls are together. And we get with them like every other week all throughout the year, minus um, school vacations and breaks and stuff like that. And then once they hit puberty, then we separate them. Boys with mm. the men and girls with the women. Mm. Um, and because one, boys really need a safe space to express themselves. Um, mm. and, and when you interject female energy, then it, it changes things. You know, boys want to show out. And even when you interject male energy mm. uh, into certain teenage female spaces, then they want to, you know, posture and, and, and maybe not be as open or as vulnerable because they want to save face to some extent. Sure. And, and I mean, we even do that as adults. So imagine a four. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What you can expect. Um, all these different hormones and stuff. So we separate them at that point, and then we get with them every Saturday from basically like January to June. Okay. And, um, and then we deal with with everything. We deal with history. Uh, we deal with like spirituality. Um, the children learn weapons training. Um, they learn how to cook, how to sew, uh, some basic mechanic stuff, some basic household stuff. You know how to change the toilet, how to stop a water leak. <laughs> hmm. You know, it's really holistic. Um, and then mm -hmm. for that last week, uh, we take the boys to the woods and we go into seclusion for like, mostly times like seven to 10 days mm -hmm. where we just go someplace and they just live, you know, and mm -hmm. figure out how to be. Yeah. And in those spaces, it's really, uh, it's really profound. It's mm -hmm. really profound. Um, the type of, of growth that they demonstrate. So when the parents drop us, drop, drop the kids off, like that during that last week, they drop them off. And then we have our graduation on like that Saturday or whatever Saturday it is after that. So we have them, like I said, about seven to 10 days. When the parents drop the kids off this year, or really every year, the parents say, the kid that I dropped off to you on last week is not the young man that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. You know, and they are, they are incredibly uh, profound. And it, and it has an impact on the households at that point because now the children have a different level of expectation for themselves. Sure. You know, so they start functioning differently and they ask the questions of their parents and they actually give insight to their parents. So I'm sure they learn things that their parents um, did not learn definitely when they were younger and maybe, you know, still. So we've had about, probably about 100 kids wow. um, you know, going through the process uh, since we started. So if someone if someone wanted to enroll their their child, do they have to be in, in Georgia? Yes. Right okay. now well, we do have brother sister organizations in other cities. We have one in DC, uh, one in Philly, one in uh, Tallahassee. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll make sure if anyone's in Georgia or any other cities, I'll make sure I put in the notes um, how, to, how to get in touch for sure. So I end every episode with a, a round of rapid fire questions. You have, yeah, you have no idea what's coming. I got five for you. So question number one is, What's one thing you know you need to do, but you may be afraid to do it? Uh, you know, okay. Out of, for the authenticity of the show, I really, 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 really want to answer this, right? <laughs> I have such a unique perspective on fear. Like, I okay. really, like, attack my fears. Mm. So I can't think of anything that I'm afraid of. Okay. 
Well, I guess I guess more so like then how did you get to the point of that attacking fear as opposed to being afraid of it? Got you. Now that is a great question. So <laughs> Uh, I mean, the other one's good too, but this I can answer it easier. Um, so a friend of mine had given me a book called The Mastery of Love. And basically it broke down uh, all human emotion and experience uh, into, it's like binary, either it's love or it's fear. In my mind, I have this mythology about myself, which, which helps me, um, like because we all have an ego. And most mm-hmm. often it becomes the issue when our ego is misplaced. So I try to put my ego like in the right place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so in this idea, this mythology I have, like I think like I'm a superhero. Mm-hmm. You know, like I really want to uh, be great, you know, for myself, for my family, for my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that book, The Master of Love, Love and Fear. And then um, I never, I wa- always want to be I want to be victorious, you know, and I, and I want to win. Now, win, now, me winning does not mean anyone else losing. Matter of fact, I only believe in win-win situations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm only going to participate in win-win situations. I'm not going to be in a situation where I win and the other person I'm dealing with loses, not intentionally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of not being able to accomplish something because of my own fear, like me stopping myself, I mean, it's uh, uh, kudos to you. Um, it's easier said than done. I know. Uh, I, def- I, mean, I it's, definitely. It's a work yeah. in progress. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? For I sure. Have not, I have not. Ma- I have not mastered anything. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, so I, I, yeah, it's just the effort. You know, I'm just I'm For aware, sure. which gives me a better chance. Um, question number two: Who is your role model? Uh, I think it depends on in, in what arena. Right. So if I, if I will go with like historical figure, I often think about like Harriet Tubman. Mm. I know that might seem like, I don't know, cliche. We always hear that name, but I emotionally take myself to the idea of walking from Georgia to Detroit mm. with a baby or some babies and not having a map. And not mm. having food and being chased like that is, you know, yeah. like wow. I don't even. Sometimes I don't want to walk to the grocery store. I don't want to walk around <laughs> my city, right? Let alone walk into a whole other place, you know, right, right. And, and with no understanding, um, that level of courage and commitment is motivates me. You know, it yeah. inspires me and it helps me to to kind of you know when I'm feeling like I don't feel like doing something or I can think about things like that. It's like oh shit, yeah. yeah. I love it. That's great. Yeah, if you could do that, I could do that. That's um, so that's on, on that level. Um, mm-hmm. I think my mother's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that, like I said, you know, she was 16 when she had pregnant with me and 17 when she had me. That I was 16. I was 17. I, no. <laughs> yeah. No. So the idea to, um, to do that and keep me safe and keep me protected to, mm-hmm. and to keep my mind safe. And then afterwards, like after just, you know, keeping me alive long enough to, but then still for us to continue to grow and continue to develop, you know, her commitment sure. to, to growth and development is, is exceptional, you know? Yeah. So, so she's definitely one of my role models. I love it. Uh, question number three, what's the best advice you've ever received? The first thing that comes to mind is I received some advice, but it was too late. 
<laughs> but I still give it. Uh, and that was a guy told me that that young men should buy a house before they get married or before they get into a serious relationship. Mm. And yeah, had had I had I gotten that <laughs> advice, you know, when I was younger, I, yeah, would have it would have changed a lot. It would have changed a lot. What I what I took away from it because I just thought about it more and more is that it gives is that it gives a certain level of stability, mm. you know, for um, a man, and it also creates a certain level of respect that his woman would have for him. Mm. Like I've already done this, I'm I'm already stable. I'm you know, sure. so it, it seems kind of archaic, and maybe we don't want to think of ourselves like archaic in that way. Mm-hmm. But we are our, and we want to be archaic in that way. Women want men to open doors for them. Women want to feel mm-hmm. safe and protected. I don't mm-hmm. care how strong she thinks she is. I don't care how independent she thinks she is. I don't mm-hmm. care what she does for herself. I know that that is the case. You know what I mean? Sure. That they do want to be nurtured. They do want to be supported. They do want to be held. They do want to be able to cry. And they want someone to get to the door first. If there's a burglar, they want somebody to kill the mouse. Like, you know, they want yeah. that type of, that, that energy. Um, and, and we want that from our women. We don't want our women running to the door with the pistol when somebody comes to the door. Like, back. I got this. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right, right. It's all good. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that I think that for mm. what it takes to 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 like buy a home and provide for yourself as a man, it it, it would help a man to to work out so many of his isms on his own, mm. even before getting into a relationship. So many yeah. fears you would have overcome. He would have mm-hmm. had a, an understanding about who he is and how he's going to navigate this world. Sure. And that is important proactively, you know, in entering into a relationship as opposed sure. to now, you know, you have to learn yourself and this other person that you've already committed to and then maybe even made a child with. So now you have sure. three people to learn and three people to, to deal with when you haven't yeah. even mastered, you know, your own needs in that way. Yeah. So, yeah, that was some good advice. I got it a little bit too late, though, but mm. yeah, that <laughs> would have been a good one. Question number four. Oh, this is a good one. I like everyone's answer for this, especially in times like this. If you could create a new law that everybody had to abide by, what would it be? Oh, shit. The first thing that comes to mind because you just rapid fire is mind your own business. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, really, like if everyone just really just worked on themselves. Yeah. Just work on yourself, work on your own issues, work on your own traumas, work on your own shit, work on your own family. Even if it's just not, okay, even if it goes beyond me as an individual. So I think I got my shit together. So now, okay, I have to deal with my own family versus trying to tell someone else how to do what's best for them. Sure. Yeah. You know, and just demonstrate that. I think that 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 would be uh, great if Mm. everyone would just, you know, really deal with themselves from an honest perspective. I mean, I'm sure we'd be in a better place if if uh, if that was a law and, and we all would um, be able to treat each other better as well. Um, absolutely. Um, last and final question. What does Colade admire most about Colade? Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was not expecting that one at all. Whoa. Um... I care. Period. You know what I mean? Like I really I care. You know, mm-hmm. I, I care about people. I care about the world. You know, what I, mean? I care about life. Yeah. 
know, care about truth, care about honesty. You know, so yeah. and that 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 caring has been, you know, a serious motivation and a catalyst for a lot of what I've experienced and a lot of how I've come to certain understanding is all extended from a care you know like when I first read about like slavery I was like oh wow that actually happened Hmm. you know I mean let me I care about that let me learn more about it let me not just like ignore it just go get a job I know let me get let me get deeper into this yeah yeah I love it and you do care as a matter of fact that's a, a great segue into the next and final segment to a moment to acknowledge each and every one of my guests and care is, is definitely a word I would use for you. Um, you've, you've cared to still involve yourself in some way, shape or form. And, and you would take any shape or form that I would give after all these years, um, to be in my life. And I can tell the genuine care. I can, I can feel the genuine care. I can feel the, um, the sense of oneness that is us, that it's like, you'll be ready to teach something that either I didn't even know I needed, but that I subconsciously was seeking, or I was just rambling off on some shit and you were like, okay, well, let's, let's break this down. I'm, I'll never forget this analogy you gave me. Um, I was living in New York. I was all over the place mentally trying to figure everything out. I was 21, 22. And you were like, look, that's like a slow down metaphor. You live in Georgia. At the time I was, I was in, I was in uh, New York if you were to drive from New York to Georgia, right, it would take some time. If you were to get in your car from New York, could you even see Georgia from where you're standing? No. Okay. So you got to get in the car. You got to drive. You got to make your way down the coast. Maybe you come inland a little bit. Now you're in Tennessee and now you're going through different states. Now you're experiencing different surroundings, different people, different foods, right? It's all part of the journey. It's all part of the process, not just so much the destination. So one of the many things you've, you've taught me, but I've actually referenced that, um, example quite a bit on the show and and um you know it, it just it's a testament to who you are as a person who not only cares but who loves deeply um and that's something that i admire the hell out of because and i can also relate to i am extremely passionate i'm extremely caring i'm extremely um um intrigued and 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 passionate about helping in any kind of way and uh i know you share a lot of those same sentiments so acknowledging you for just being that way, for being involved in my life, for um, being a big brother and how fortunate I am to have that experience and, and that relationship with you. Um, despite how much time goes by, despite how much distance that goes by, half the time we talk is like, where are you at? What country are you in? What city are you in? What's going on? You know, um, and, and what I want to acknowledge, too, and what I appreciate so much is that no matter how much time of a gap, no matter how much distance of a gap, no matter how many years in between seeing each other face-to-face in person, every single time we talk, it's like there's no time lost. It's, it's like we, we pick up either where we were, where we left off, or where we need to be. You know, and it's, it's this like, you don't have to speak about it language that's just kind of known, you know. So um, I just appreciate you for you living in your truth, being honest and true to yourself. Uh, we all can can take a page from that. And um, just really grateful and appreciative for um, you sticking with me, you you riding with me, no matter what. Yeah, you know? man, I f- with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's um it's cool. I'm I'm honored, and yeah. um, 
yeah, I'm honored. Like, you know, life is life is good. Could be better, but shit, it could be a whole lot worse. That's right. Yeah. You know, could be a whole lot worse. So I yeah. think it's <clears throat> it's just interesting to me, you know, like even like having a brother mm. and looking at all like our differences, you know, and our similarities, you know, like mm-hmm. even in our demeanor. I'm pretty sure I cuss a lot more than you. No, I, I, uh, I do as well. I just, I, I, I got a filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, outside of that, cool. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've appreciated uh, how you've grown. I can honestly say that there were have been times throughout our development when I've worried about you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, when I'm worried about you, like, wow, where is he going with this? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I'm not talking about, like, the Justin that your people know now. I'm talking about, like, the 18-year-old Justin, the 20-year-old right. Justin, you know? Yeah. Um, which is cool, but it's, you know, it's, I'm pretty sure people worry about me, too. Like, I don't know where this dude is going. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, and yeah. um, and it's cool. It's, it's, great. it's great. Yeah, so I just, I appreciate you. I appreciate your wife, you know, your, mm-hmm. your commitment and your openness and your honesty. Mm. You know, your vulnerability because people can need to see that it's okay to be vulnerable yeah you know it's okay yeah. to be open it's okay to be it's okay to be mm. okay yeah to be. yeah well before i let you go bro um one last favor to ask if anyone is looking for a couple good books may- maybe maybe your your top five go-to books that you'd highly recommend the mastery of love yeah for sure. Um, another one, How to Argue and Win Every Time. <laughs> okay. By Jerry Spence. Now you're laughing. Well, some people think like how to argue every time. So people are like, I hate arguments. I hate arguing. It's not yeah. about arguing at all. It is probably the singular most important personal development book that I may have read. Wow. Yeah. And I've read mm. a few, you know, but, um, but it talked about like communication and interpersonal communication. Mm. That arguing is that, that everything is an argument, whether, you know, it's not just the yelling, but it's just sure. the stating your case. Mm-hmm. So being able to hear someone else's case from a certain perspective mm-hmm. and understand what your triggers are while listening, you know, how to listen, how to hear is, is, is phenomenal. Uh, the way of the superior man, is that the, it? Yep, that's it. I got that from you. Uh, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. That was, um, yeah, that was, that was the, I should have, that was a piece of advice. I should <laughs> Yeah. Right. You know, 30 years ago, I had changed a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, how many is that? Okay. Of water and spirit mm. by Mali Doma Some. Mm. Yeah. That is a good okay. one. And fifth book, fifth book, fifth book. Um, I like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. I learned a lot with that one. Yeah. And then the sixth book, yeah. you didn't ask me, is the one I'm going <laughs> to write. Yeah. The next five years, write a book. Dope. Um, I'm here for it. And I, I know you've given me um, The Alchemist, of course. I know you've given me The Four Agreements, of course, um, by Don Miguel, who also wrote Mastery of Love. Mm-hmm. Um so, and then his um, son, he has a junior, right? So I, I turned, so this is mm. a funny story. So uh, my wife was, one day we were having an argument, right? She was having an argument because I. <laughs> you win every argument. <laughs> yeah. I don't argue. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? I, at least I try not to. I mean, I, I really, really try not to. And what's funny is that so when I went to Nigeria, they told me my taboos, right? So when I got initiated, they, they told me my taboos. And one of my taboos is I'm not supposed to argue with women. Mm. Right. And that's the deep thing to go sit into a room that's like 80 African men ranging in age from 8 to 80. And they're wow. only speaking Yoruba. Yeah. And based on the markings that came up when I was in the role, they say, okay, this is your destiny. And wow. these are the things that you should do for your destiny to help it work for you. And these are the things that are detrimental to you and your development. Wow. And one yeah. of them was arguing with women. So I can't do that. It's like <laughs> having a shellfish allergy and eating shrimp pasta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I was having a conversation with my wife. Mm. And, uh, and I was like, well, I said, what are you afraid of? Like talking about the mastery of love, using some of that language. She's like, what do you mean? I'm not afraid of anything. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. I said, well, you should read this book. I want to read this book. Book going to tell me something. Blah, 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 right? Yeah. As soon as she read the book, to kind of like prove a point to me, she immediately apologized to me. Mm. She was like, I'm sorry. And then since she has purchased probably 30 copies of the book and giving it to like all of her friends. Wow. And this is this is the mastery of love. It's the mastery of love. Wow. Well, I'm, I hope... Um... I know you've lived up to the, uh, again, I call you the, the black Matthew McConaughey. And when you listen and or read to Green Lights, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Because um, you two are so similar, you know, more than half the book. I'm like, this is my brother, like, <laughs> like, like, like verbatim. Um, but, but, you know, you just, uh, you just, your life story is just fascinating, beyond fascinating. I know we could talk for another two hours and, and get a whole. We didn't get into the dreams. Right. I know. I know. Well, we'll save it for the next time. And the next time we'll be in person for sure. So um, I appreciate the time, bro. I appreciate um, all the stories, the vulnerability, the transparency, the honesty, um, and just the, the wisdom, overall wisdom. So I, I, I'm grateful for it. I know everyone listening and watching is as well. And uh, yeah, love you, bro. Just appreciate you. Yeah, man. It's cool. So I wish I could have done it there. Uh, so I could have wore like a fresh outfit and shit, but we'll yeah, we'll do it next time. We'll do it next time. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Cool. All right, bro. Love you. Appreciate it. I like that. Peace. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.